Our sermon this afternoon is Out of Bondage by Steve Andrews. If you come, sir. What God does is for His glory, for His majesty, and for those things that He has set aside so that His will will be done upon this earth. He reaches down and touches men's lives and changes those lives forever. One of those men, he called, he was very he was a very prosperous man living in a, a very comfortable place. And he called him out of that country. He called him childless, but he did have a wife. And he came with some family and some servants. And God came into his life. And he promised. And he prophesied. He promised this man that he would have a descendants, and those descendants would be like the stars of the heavens. He promised this man that he would have an heir from his own body. And he gave him a prophecy. It's interesting that God, when he prophesies, it doesn't matter how long it takes, ages, hundreds of years, those prophecies come true. He prophesied that his descendants would go into bondage and that he would have to intervene because they would be in a great bondage and a great agony. And so he would have to intervene in their lives. And of course, that man we're all very familiar with. And the reason why I picked this message today is because we all need to go back and we need to review. If you don't know what the heritage that you believe in is all about, if you don't understand the historical perspective, if you don't understand why God is doing something, there's a very good chance that you won't believe what God is doing in your own life. That's the reason why the Bible is written in the way that it's written, so that we can be encouraged by those people that he has touched down through the ages. And of course, we believe very strongly in the Son that came to this earth. The man we're talking about today is Abraham. And it's found in Genesis, the 15th chapter. It was interesting that the first message touched on Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. And at that time, before he had any children, his name was changed or even was circumcised. God gave him these promises. Fear not, Abram. 
Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And by the way, if it's a little bit different than what you see on the, the um, screen today, I'm reading from the King James, but it's the uh, easy reader Bible, so the, those these and thous and those things have been changed. So it makes it a little easier when I read, read it, since I kind of stumble over those words. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. So he had already had it worked out, but not according to what God was working out in his life. He said, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought, forth a, <clears throat> he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now, toward the heaven, and tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your seed be. <laughs> he hadn't even, didn't even have a, his own heir. And God was already promising him that he would have descendants. Descendants as the stars of the heavens. In other places, the sands of the sea. And he delivered him, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted unto him for righteousness. And brother, that's one key scripture in the Bible that everyone should understand and believe. And understand fully. Because we are to believe in the promises that God has given us in his word. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that, that I shall inherit it? And he said, Take me a heifer, to three, a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece, one piece against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. So we have the promise. And we have the prophecy that God gave to this one man. And also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good age. But in the fourth generation they shall come here again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant, made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your seed have I given this land, from the river, Euphra uh, river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And, of course, uh, the lands of these various individuals he, he, he gave and he, he told him long before this prophecy and these promises ever came about what was going to happen. In Exodus, the first chapter, 
as we skip through this history, there is so much here, and so many things to learn and understand. But I'm giving you an overview of what God is doing and has done that we might be encouraged in what He is doing in our own lives. And sometimes when I look at these early scriptures here, I kind of think about our own nation and being in a, a world in which things are beginning to change and not for the best. Now these are the names of the children of Israel, chapter 1, verse 1 of Exodus, which came into Egypt, every man in his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, all generations, all those that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said to the people, Behold, the people of the land of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. In other words, let's, let's put them in a very, very bad situation. Lest they multiply and come to pass that when these, these, uh, there falls out any war, they join also to our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python, Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew and they grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, hardness, bondage, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. And all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of which name uh, one was Shiphra and the, uh, the name of the other was uh, Pua. And he said, When you do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women, see to them upon the stools. If you be a son, then you are to kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered before the midwives come. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives fear God, he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born should be cast in the river, and every daughter shall save alive. And so they found themselves in a situation of hard bondage. In Exodus, the third chapter, just a few verses here. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, and this was the burning bush that Moses came. In other words, God looks down and he chooses his people, who he wants to serve him for his glory, for his honor, and for his majesty. Now, Moses was reluctant, but God used him mightily. 
the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And he, saw, he said, draw, uh, not here, uh, uh, draw not near here, put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place whereupon you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. The prophecy was coming to a fulfillment. What was given to Abram, who became Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the descendants, was coming to fulfillment. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land, to a good land, and a large and land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians oppress them. The power of God is revealed to the Egyptians and to the children of Israel as he brings ten powerful plagues upon them. He brings the plague turning the water to blood. And I just wrote these down because this would take a, you know, at least a full sermon just to go through all the plagues and all the things that God brought upon these Egyptians that they might see the glory of God, that they might believe in His power and His love for His own children who was the nation of Israel. And so he brought these plagues upon the Egyptians as he said he would because he said there would be a judgment. And he was going to bring that judgment upon this nation of Egypt. So he, the water to blood, the frogs, the lice, the flies, cattle dying, the boils, hail, locusts, three days of darkness. You would think after all of those plagues and after all that, that they would think twice about turning against the children of Israel and against God. But it took the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, before they expelled the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's turn to Exodus 11 chapters. We look at that as we look up to that first Passover. And the Lord God said to Moses, verse 1, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go from here. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out from here altogether. Because it was going to be a devastating plague that was going to, to ruin that nation of the death of all the firstborn. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, 
in the sight of Pharaoh's servants in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of the Pharaoh that sits upon his throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant that is uh, behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against a man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptian and Israel. God's favored people. And all these, your servants, shall come down to me and bow down themselves to me, saying, Get you out, all the people that follow you, and afterwards I will go out. And he went out from the Pharaoh in great anger. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened the Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. It was to the glory and the power of God that this was to happen. The prophecy that was coming to pass as God was going to take his children out of bondage, out of the house of bondage, as we shall see. Let's skip over to, um, as we get into the Passover season, we'll go through more and more of this and, and deeper into this, and we'll go through these scriptures in depth. But I, I want to go ahead and, and, and move over to, to verse uh, uh, 29 of chapter 12. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, <laughs> the firstborn of the captives that was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up at night, he and all of his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called Moses and Aaron by night, and he says, Rise up, get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go, serve the Lord, your, uh, serve the Lord as you have said. And also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We all be dead men. And that's true. If they had not relinquished God probably would have wiped out all of the Egyptians at that time. And the people took their dough before they, and the, and, you know, before it was leavened and their kneading troughs being bound in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of the Lord. They borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. As we know, there were such beautiful things that they took with them and they put it in that tabernacle and gave that beautiful tabernacle that traveled in the wilderness. And of course they gave favor to this. Verse 41, And it came to pass at the end of that 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed. 
Let's go to uh, the 13th chapter now, beginning in verse 14. It says, And it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, What is this? That you shall say to him, By the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. How important is it that we review this year after year? That's why God has given us the holy days. That's why we have the Passover, the days of unleavened bread. They come around year after year after year. That we are reminded both of what went on at this particular time and what God has done through His Son and the sacrifice that He made. These are all for us to be encouraged, to strengthen, be strengthened with our faith. It is important that we learn this, that we never forget it. Now, sometimes when people go away from the, the truth, they, they, they walk away from it for a while. Sometimes it, it leaves them. They, they don't remember the Sabbath. They don't remember the holy days. And only through sometimes a miracle that God strengthens them to come back to this way of life. But this is written for our admonition, for our strength, for our belief. Out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that opened the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon your head and for frontlets before your eyes. For by the strength of the hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. God said, lest perhaps people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, uh, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones away uh, from here with you. That's kind of interesting. Even Joseph knew that prophecy. And he instructed them that that was what they were supposed to do. And they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped at Ethan in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by the day in a pillar of, of a cloud to lead them in the way, and by night in a pillar of a fire to give them light to go by day and night. And he took not all the pillar of the cloud by the day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so they were taken care of. God walked with them. God was with them on a daily basis. And we know that they came to Mount Sinai, that he brought them to the base of his mountain, and he gave them instructions in life and truth and how to worship him and how to honor him and glorify him. And he reminded them of this very important fact in Exodus 20, chapter, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That theme throughout the, book, throughout the Torah is a reoccurring theme. 
understanding that as long as these people understood that it was God's powerful presence and his being that brought them out and their renewal every year of the Passover and understanding that it was that power and that fulfilled prophecy that was the strength of that nation because God had fulfilled that for them. That they were to review that with their children. They were to review it every year as they kept the Passover. They were to be reminded constantly that God brought them out of the house of bondage. That they were in a situation in which they were in slavery. A house is like a, a household, a race. You know, it's a place um, like a tent, like a house, uh, a dwelling place. So they were in a dwelling place of bondage, of slavery. They lived in that dwelling place of slavery for a very, very long time. And it's amazing that even anyone even remembered anything about what God was teaching. But there must have been a few because even the midwives were afraid the God of God and, and did not kill those male children. So there must have been a, an undercurrent of understanding there in, with the children of Israel. It's like our own history. You know, if we lose where and when God called us out of this world then we begin to lose faith in God and what he's doing in our life that's the reason why these are so important every year that we go back and we review and we look at what God has done his power and his glory and his majesty as he brought the children of Israel out and yet it's interesting that they began to forget and they would murmur. Even with all that powerful, glorious things that he did, they would murmur at God for not having any water, not having any food. And yet God was taking care of them. He had the shade during the day when it was sunny, and there was light at night. And yet they couldn't see. They didn't believe what God was doing and the power that he was showing them. And it finally took them many, many years later. That whole nation was scattered because of their sins. Because they took on other gods. As God told them not to. Very first, very, the verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. That was the greatest problem that they had. They took on an idolatrous lifestyle and lived that way. And God finally had to chase them out of land. What was God's purpose for the nation of Israel? We find that a couple of times in the book of Deuteronomy. And of course it's all the way through. But to be very specific, let's look at here in Deuteronomy, the 14th chapter, in verse, verse 2. Actually, let's just look at verse 1 and verse 2. You are the children of the Lord your God... And you shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. And so God had very specific things. He didn't want them tattooing. He didn't want 
um, various things that the pagans used to do, or the you know the earlobes that had holes in them, and all those different things came from paganism that came from the nations around them. He says, "For you are a holy people." to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a peculiar people. In other words, a treasured possession. They were his treasured possession that he started with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the descendants. And now he's brought them out of that bondage. He loves them, and he's taking care of them, and he doesn't want them to go back in to the sins and the bondage that they were in. You are a treasure possession to himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. And then he gives us various um, things about what to eat and, and how to live. And in Deuteronomy the 26th chapter, Deuteronomy the 26th chapter, beginning in verse 18. And the Lord has avouched you this day to be his peculiar people, as he has promised you, and that you should keep his commandments, and to make you high above all nations, which he has made in praise and in name and in honor, that you may be a holy people of the Lord your God, as he has spoken. They were to show forth his honor. They were to show forth his glory. And so when they went out and they committed uh, spiritual adultery by going after other gods and other nations and living as those, they were defaming the very God who had brought them out of the house of bondage. They lost their way, brethren. They lost their understanding of the historical perspective of God's powerful uh, rescue out of that bondage. He had a great plan for them, for that nation, that they would be an example, all nations, and that they would see that God had separated them, made them holy, and made them a beautiful nation to the rest of the nations. It didn't work out that way, as we all know, because it has to, you have to have faith. You have to believe. As it says in Hebrews, the sixth chap, um, in the 11th chapter, verse 6, you have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He says in Hebrews, the third chapter, and I better find it first. In Hebrews, the third chapter, he is not very kind about what they did as a nation. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says in verse 7 of chapter 3, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Powerful works took care of them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. They ate every day. They had twice for the Sabbath so they didn't have to work. God protected them, took care of them, and when they were obedient, there, there was no enemy that could ever take them over 
He says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. He says, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. And so they fell in the, in the wilderness. That one generation fell in the wilderness because of their murmuring, because of their unbelief. And he gives us a warning for our own selves that we might take it to heart. Take heed, brethren, lest there be an, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. We also are able to see the power of God through the Bible and believe on the things that God has done through His Word. But we also can see that power in our own lives as He has brought us out of this evil world, out of the bondage of sin, and brought us to a lively hope into His kingdom as we look forward to that. You know, brethren, the Passover pictures freedom from bondage. That's the hope that we have. The bondage that they had, God passed over and all of the firstborn were killed and they were preserved. They were redeemed out of that and they were, and they were able to leave that house of bondage and go out free. They went out free with a high hand. We have the same hope today because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 for the last verse. As we are coming up on the Passover season, as we're coming up on the Days of Unleavened Bread, and all the meaning that it has, the powerful meaning that these days have, let us have that deep faith that God is directing our lives, guiding and, and, and helping us, um, and is with us. No matter what the trials, no matter what the tribulations, no matter what, what happens in our life, God is with us and He has a great hope for us in His kingdom. We know they had problems in, in the Corinthian church and that was what Paul was addressing. And He came up with and he said here, Your glory is not good in verse 6. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? pointing to the days of unleavened bread and, and, and what it meant. He says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Where they had that angel come, or God come through that... Um, camp and kill all of the firstborn and they were preserved, we have Jesus Christ who is our Passover, who is redeeming each and every one of us for a great and glorious plan that He has for us in the kingdom of God.